Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Episode 30, news for the last full week of April. Coming up, Joe Biden, the man Donald Trump refers to as Sleepy Joe, is officially shooting for the White House. In this, his third shot, Joe's opening round paints Trump and his supporters as racist. All unmask the Charlottesville hoax. Is the latest California school proposal going to make it to your state? Lawmakers in California are okay with students being able to willfully disobey teachers, staff, and administration with no consequence. What's the message being sent to the students? And somebody's got to talk about it. The future of Social Security and Medicare is not pretty. I'll unpack the latest reports. The news and views you certainly won't hear anywhere else coming up in this edition of Hidden Headlines. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Brian Sussman. These stories and more can be found at briansussman.com. So let's dive into the Joe Biden situation. Certainly you've heard he's running for president by now. Here's my take. Former Vice President Joe Biden, formerly joining a crowded field of Democrat presidential candidates, declaring the soul of the nation is at stake. He says the soul of the nation is at stake if Donald Trump wins re-election. So he posts a video on Twitter Thursday, and Biden focuses on this video. He focuses on the 2017 deadly clash between some white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and counter-protesters and others in Charlottesville, Virginia. Biden notes that Trump's comments on that particular clash at the time were what stirred him enough to want to run for president. Joe Biden said that Donald Trump said some very fine people were on both sides of that violent encounter, which again left one woman dead. And Biden went on to say, with those words, the president of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. We're in a battle for the soul of the nation. If we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are, and I cannot stand by and watch this happen. That's what Joe Biden said in his opening video. This is race-baiting. This is divisive. And this is everything the left wants you to believe about Donald Trump and his supporters, that Donald Trump and his supporters are racists. Now, I'm not sure where you may stand regarding Donald Trump and his presidency and his personality and all of that, but let me just tell you something. What Joe Biden is referring to is best known as the Charlottesville hoax. I'm going to break this down for you because the establishment media won't do it. And even those in the conservative media aren't focusing on the right thing in many cases. That's why I entitled this podcast Hidden Headlines, because we peel back the layers and try to find the truth. So as I see it, the establishment media have repeated lies about Donald Trump being a racist so often that some of their narratives are believed as true. The most outrageous of these may indeed be this Charlottesville hoax which contends that the president described the neo-Nazis who also attended this rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August 2017 as fine people. Now, what a joke. The event in Charlottesville, let me just break this down for you. The event in Charlottesville 
centered around the removal of an iconic, long-standing statue of Robert E. Lee in a park bearing his name. Now, besides removing the statue, changing the name of the park was also being proposed. Now, we could spend, and books have been written on this. The Civil War wasn't just about slavery. The Civil War entailed states' rights. So there were many, many layers to what the Civil War was all about. A great case in point. Robert E. Lee, the general of the Southern troops, the general of the Confederacy, he was asked by Abraham Lincoln to be the general of the North. But Robert E. Lee was so concerned about states' rights that he sided with the South instead. This just tells you how complex the situation was. And it also reminds us that it's always very dangerous to look at the past through a present lens. Now, am I advocating racism, slavery? No, none of the sort. My gosh, if you want to look at the hidden headlines of my life, look at the kids my wife and I adopted. Uh, these, are, these are all kids whose uh, skin color is nothing like mine. I'm your average white guy. These are all kids that have African-American blood in them. So don't go there with me because you're not going to get very far. But let me just continue with this story because I think it's very important. The rally was assembled to protest these sought-after changes, and there were a variety of groups that showed up. Yes, neo-Nazis really did show up. Yes, white, white nationalists did show up. And there were liberal protesters and there were conservative protesters. It was quite, quite a mishmash. But things escalated quickly and a woman was actually killed in the violent melee that ensued. And so now at a press event after this took place, it was in Trump Tower, and the media is peppering Donald Trump with questions. Now, these are his actual words. Excuse me, they, he's talking about the neo-Nazis here, they didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis. In other words, when they attended this event, when some may have been promoting this event as something that you should go to, they didn't mention they were neo-Nazis, Trump said. So, excuse me, they didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis, and you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Now, the media is peppering it with more questions because to them, it just sounded as if he said the neo-Nazis were fine people. So let me just pick it up from there. You had people in that group. Excuse me, excuse me. I saw the same pictures you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Another question from the press. Trump says, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. Okay, now stop the press. Joe made it sound as if Trump was saying there were fine people on both sides of this issue. The both sides Donald Trump was referring to were those who were saying that the statue should be torn down and the park should be renamed. And those who said, no, the statue should remain and it should not be renamed. The park should not be renamed. Clearly, if you look at this in context, Donald Trump's saying there are good people on both sides. But then he goes on to say, and please mark my words here, 
I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. So when he says very fine people, he's referring to a specific group of protesters. And not only does he keep emphasizing this, but he gets more specific. It continues. Trump. But not all of those people were neo-Nazis. Believe me, not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statue, Robert E. Lee. So this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder if George Washington is next. And is it Thomas Jefferson the next week? You know, you know, you all really have to ask yourself, where does this stop? But they were there to protest. Excuse me, as he's getting interrupted again. You take a look the night before. They were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. Okay, then later in the press conference. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. There are members of the left that can't stand context, but that's the context. So Joe Biden opens his bid for president along these lines. Race baiting. Divisiveness. Uh, Identity politics. Now, I guess we could go down the road with Joe, but Joe, we all know that he's the gaff master. But let's just walk down memory lane here because this is Joe Biden's third attempt at running for president. The second was in 2008. And of course, that's where he made some really ugly comments regarding Barack Obama being a clean, articulate, well-spoken African-American man. I don't even want to think about what he may have been referring to in that particular comment. But that was Joe Biden in 2008. But let's go back to 1987 when he first ran. Joe Biden's a career politician. Joe Biden graduated college in 69, graduated law school, I say, in 1969, uh, practiced law for a year. I don't know if he was successful or not successful, and then ran for city council in 1970. And then in 1972, he makes it into the Senate in Delaware. He's been a career politician. He's never had a real job, per se, sans that one year where he was a lawyer. Prior to that, we really don't know what he did. You know, what he did in high school, what he may have done in college. Although in college, he's told some whoppers over the years. Back in 87, he was in a, at a campaign event, and he got in an argument with somebody at the campaign event. And it was all picked up by a C-SPAN microphone. And he's arguing with a guy and says, I think I have a much higher IQ than you do. Then he went on to say, I went to law school on a full academic scholarship. The only one in my class to have a full academic scholarship. Well, as it turns out, the New York Times busted his chops on this. He didn't go to school on a full academic scholarship. He went to school on a half financial aid scholarship. Joe also said he ended up in the top half of his class to this guy in the argument. And that's not true as well. He he graduated in the bottom of his class including in law school, where out of 85 students, he graduated 76th in the class. So he also talked about an international competition that he won. There's no verification if he won the competition or not, but we do know this. He did have a partner. 
He said he graduated from the University of Delaware with a double major in history and political science. Actually, it was just one degree, a BA. And then he went on to get the law degree. So once finally confronted with all of this, Biden told the New York Times, my recollection is, and I'd have to confirm this, but I don't recall paying any money to go to law school. Then he went on to tell the school that I exaggerate. uh, Then he went on to tell the New York Times, I exaggerate when I'm angry, but I've never gone around telling people things that aren't true about me. (laughs) So this is Joe Biden, the man running for president. So he just better be careful going forward because somebody's going to start digging up his past. And if he does get angry along the campaign trail, it's going to make for some very, very exciting coverage for sure. So that was, of course, the top political story of the week. Uh, Of course, I'm broadcasting to you from California, and I know a lot of you. And by the way, thank you for your listenership to these podcasts. A lot of you are listening from all over the country now. Oftentimes, what starts in California um, spreads across the country. Get ready for this one. In the state of California, we're going to see an onslaught of teachers taking early retirement. It's already happening because the teachers have no control in the classroom. And also, get ready for a generation void of discipline and and the ability to interact properly in society because... The California State Senate has voted to ban schools and staff and administration, including principals, from suspending students for willful defiance of teachers, staff, and administrators. This was Senate Bill 419. It it blew through the Senate with no problem here. There aren't enough conservatives to stop anything like this. It will now go to the Assembly, where it will pass too, because there aren't enough conservatives to stop this. And it will likely be signed by our governor, Gavin Newsom. So in this bill, students in grades 4 through 12 wouldn't be suspended for disrupting school activities or willfully defying school authorities, including teachers and staff. This law would apply both to public and charter schools. Students could still be suspended for other things like, you know, threatening violence. So if, you, if, if the kid says, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to hit you, okay, you could be suspended for that. And in fact, you should be arrested. If you bring a weapon to school, you can be suspended for that, or you could be arrested, or you should be arrested. Bring drugs to school, damage school property, you can still be suspended for that. But for willfully defying authority or disrupting school activities, you won't be suspended. So there are several things going on here. The first is the state of California like many states around the country, they receive the schools receive money from the state based upon attendance on a daily basis. So if you suspend someone from school, that's money that the school's not going to be receiving from the state. That's how it works here in California. So there is that. They want the money. But the other part of this has to do with um, social justice. Social justice. What we're seeing is, in terms of the social justice or restorative justice, if you want to be more specific, there are activists who are saying, liberal activists are saying, that it's a disproportionate number of children, especially school children who are black, who are being suspended. So the statistics are, in California, you have African-American students making up 5.6% of enrollment in schools, 
but they account for 15.6 of willful defiance suspensions. So as a result, the racial activists claim that California's educational system is inherently racist. I don't know what the statistics are regarding the, the racial makeup of teachers, but my guess is it's a very diverse group. So that's interesting to me. If it was an all-white staff, an all-white administration, I guess maybe you could make the case. But the fact of the matter is school staffs are very diverse. But this is where the activists are taking this. So now you have to ask other questions along the way. If we're not going to punish kids for willful defiance, what are they learning about life? They're just learning that they can pop off and try to get their way anytime they want. They can disrupt anything they want. How are we setting them up for success in life? To me, that's what school's all about. It's, it's interdisciplinary. It's very holistic. So we teach them reading, writing, math, etc. But we're also teaching them how to be good citizens so that when they get out of the school environment, they'll be able to interact in a job in a neighborhood, in a community. So by taking away that particular element, I think we're setting them these, these students up for failure. And on top of that, we're setting our communities up for failure eventually. I mean, when this body of individuals reaches critical mass someday, what are we going to do? So a very important topic on Hidden Headlines I don't have the answers other than to say what the, what the state of California is doing is absolutely wrong. They need to draw a line in the sand. So, so what's happening now is you're seeing very qualified teachers, who, by the way, in California don't get paid all that much to begin with, especially given the cost of living. You're seeing very well-qualified teachers. In some cases, teachers that have been there over 20 years and are in the prime of their teaching a career. With, with lots of teaching ability and wisdom, et cetera, who are saying, I'm taking an early retirement. I, can't, I cannot handle this anymore. So you're seeing great teachers leaving. You'll always be able to find teachers because now you're just going to be lowering the standards for the teacher more and more and more. And in many cases, you're going to get people teaching who couldn't get any other kind of a job. So the teaching profession really takes it in the chops. And then you've got all these students who are being completely compromised. And the state legislature actually thinks this is the way to go. So now speaking of the future, I know this is not a sexy topic, but somebody's got to talk about this. And it's just a shame that members of Congress won't. Oh, but they will. They will in 15 years. What am I talking about? The insolvency of Social Security. The latest study has come out saying Social Security will be insolvent in 16 years, which means we're probably 15 years away from Congress deciding that's a crisis. <laughs> a listener of my radio show in San Francisco called up with something hilarious. I'll get to that in just a moment. It has to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her predictions for this world via global warming. So I'll save that for you. We'll, we'll try end with a laugh here. But currently, Social Security provides income to about 67 million Americans. About 47 million of them are over 65. You know, millions more are taking early retirement because you can draw it at the age of 62, I believe. Um, but most of the, you know, between 67 and 47, that's 20, 20 million people. 
Most of those 20 million are disabled or supposedly disabled. There are a lot of people ripping off the system. I, I, we, we all know that. And that, that needs to be cleaned up. But if nothing changes, the Social Security Trust Fund will be financially upside down by 2035. 16 years. This means the program would be forced to impose across-the-board cuts of 20% to all beneficiaries. So if they just want to fix it on the spot, they're going to say, all right, everybody who's drawing Social Security takes a 20% cut right now. Well, that's going to be difficult because in many cases, those on Social Security are on a fixed income. So they planned their life around this money. And think think what, a, what garbage this is. The, the Social Security... For the vast majority of us, we've worked our whole life paying into this system. I mean, in, in the case of yours truly, the first time I saw my paycheck, I was six, 16, 15 or 16, and I was working at a restaurant. It was two rep restaurants, the Boondocks and the Great Ripoff. This was in a suburb of Chicago, uh, both owned by the same, by the same people. The, the, the Boondocks... And I don't know why they would ever name a restaurant The Great Ripoff, but they had same menu, same staff. We would work at both restaurants. <laughs> the Great Ripoff went, went busto after about a year. Well, don't you think it might have been the name? But the boondocks just kept on going. But I remember looking at my very first paycheck and I'm thinking, all right, I just, you know, I calculated out. I made $100 or whatever it was. And I'm expecting to get a check for $100. I'm just a kid. I look and there's, who the heck is FICA? What? Social Security, state of Illinois. And I'm going down the list here and I got angry. And I remember telling my parents, you know, it was supposed to be a check of 100 and instead it's, it's 80 or whatever the case may have been. And I, my dad laughed so hard and I'll never forget. He said, that's why you need to vote Republican. Well, I never forgot that one. So I've been paying into Social Security since I was 16. I've never taken anything from the government. Not one thing. Nothing. And when it comes time for me to draw Social Security, you know what? Doggone it. I want that money. And if I could have had the money and invested it myself, I could have done a better job in terms of return. So now they would have come along to me 16 years from now and say, okay, we're cutting your benefits by 20%. Also, by that time, some parts of Medicare will already be unable to cover full cost of benefits. So some of you know how Medicare works, but you've got Medicare Part A that covers hospitals and nursing homes. That will be insolvent by 2026. Folks, that's not far away at all. Now, insolvency is not the same as bankruptcy. Um, Medicare and Social Security will just not have enough money to pay the full cost of their obligations. But that's not the same as saying they'll have no money at all. But here's the tragedy with all of this. Nobody on Capitol Hill wants to address these looming issues. Donald Trump has, on the one hand, has promised aloud that he doesn't want to touch Social Security. But I've looked at his most recent budget and they do take away some money from Social Security. So that means they're trying to shore things up. And I'm guessing that it's by cutting out waste, fraud and abuse. In the meantime, you have Democrats popping off about Medicare for all. So if we can't pay for what we have, how are we going to do Medicare for all? 
You know, these are two huge obligations, two huge entitlement programs, and they're already sinking. Then more troubling news. I'll just dive into this because I read this report and I want to share it with somebody. I mean, nobody, nobody in the media is talking about this, but it's really important. In 2017, there were 2.8 workers for every Social Security recipient. 2.8 for every Social Security recipient. That's down from 3.3 in 2007 and way down from the 5.1 workers per beneficiary that existed back in 1960. So the system is in trouble. <laughs> I, I mean, you always, okay, I better laugh, otherwise I'm going to cry. So I had a listener by radio show call up and say, Brian, don't worry. Social Security and Medicare are set to go insolvent in 16 years, but it doesn't matter because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, we'll all be dead from global warming in 12 years. <laughs> okay. That's everything you need to know in this edition of Hidden Headlines. For more information, just go to briansussman.com. You can learn more about me at briansussman.com and also ways to reach out. There's a way to email me. You can check me out on Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman, and Instagram, Brian Sussman Show. Thanks for listening. Tell people about this podcast if you liked it. Until next time, I'm Brian Sussman, signing off.